Welcome to episode 35 of How About Them Huskies. I'm Connor, joined with Matt, Andrew, and Matt. And in episode 35 today, we're talking about title number five as UConn defeated San Diego State on Monday to win the national championship in Houston. It was a great game, all-around dominant effort, 76-59. to Adama Snogo is the star. Tristan Newton really stepped it up, stepped it up as well. Overall, a great team win, another dominant team win in this NCAA tournament that UConn pretty much breezed through effortlessly. The closest game was, what, 13 points in the final four against Miami. I mean, they were leading – I mean, they were trailing in the second half for only 50-something seconds against Iona, and that's it. I mean, this is a historically dominant run for a four-seed even. I, I feel like we were a little underseeded. It could have been a three. I mean, the resume, the metric certainly said so. But all in all, UConn – for the fifth time in program history is headed or won the national championship. And I'm just amazed. I'm so proud. I'm happy. All the emotions with this group. Yeah. And it just feels surreal. And, um, I, you know, I just didn't know what to think. Like I still, do, it doesn't feel real. I didn't think I'd be sitting here today saying we'd have number five, uh, especially when we started this podcast. So I'm thinking, you know, uh, we'll start this podcast and uh, they'll probably have a good year, but it'll just be fun to do. And uh, maybe they'll win a national championship, and we could talk about that. And look at that. We're talking about that in the first year. And I just want to bring a stat to your guys' attention right now. Um, So this is uh, backed up by math. People have done the metrics on this. People have done the advanced statistics on this. Uh, some really smart people. And since How About Them Huskies was created, um, UConn has won the national championship every year. So uh, I wouldn't say we're the good luck charm, but – um, I think we played a role in this team's success this year. Um, we're kind of like the way Lucky is to the Celtics, and uh, I think we deserve a ring, and I think we deserve a banner. Yeah, I mean, going back to the point where, uh, you know, at the start of the season, I don't know, none of us really – it, it was hard to say that any of us really expected a national championship, especially me. I made some comments early on in the year about doing my due diligence to the team, even though you know, I was excited for next year. Uh, I was so wrong. I was so wrong about it. And it was just like, I'm just so happy to be so wrong. You know, like, I, I'd rather be wrong about something like this. And, you know, come here and be able to admit it than, you know, say I called it from the start and just be lying. So uh, it's just, it is like Connor said, all the emotions. And it, it's just a lot of fun. We got a parade going on tomorrow. Uh, I'm pretty sure most of, if not all of us, will be attending. So, you know, I'm just ready to have some fun, enjoy it, enjoy title number five, and, you know, keep the keep, keep uh, the podcast going. I mean, yeah, you know, you didn't look at this team, look at what happened and said this is, this is a national championship team because, I mean, we went out early last year. You know, we were a good team last year, went out early, lost a lot of people to the transfer portal and brought in new people. And a lot of people said, you know, this is, this is, a, this is a rebuild year, you know, Newton – Aline DR will probably only be here for one year and then they'll declare for the draft, go play overseas, something like that. But I mean, clearly they had a different, um, different game plan because they just really just like Connor said, breeze through March madness. And, you know, just to uh, piss all the people off that have said that, Oh, UConn doesn't deserve this because they played this seed and that seed. I just want to remind everybody that we beat a top five team all year by 28 points. I don't know if you forgot that, but I'm just going to put that out there. But it it was definitely tough to look at this team and think national championship just because of what had happened last year. 
and the fact that it was a bunch of new guys coming in. I mean, two freshmen and like four or five transfers and a couple of guys that stuck around. But, you know, this this team really got it done. And I I really credit that to Andre Jackson's quote about how um, he respected the decisions of the people who left, but only the strong survive. And clearly that's true because that team just won a national championship together. So it's it's really great to see this team win a national championship. I know I I celebrated it after it was a long night, but it was worth it. But I'm just really excited that I got to see this team of all teams in particular win a national championship together. Yeah, and to Matt's point about you know us maybe saying some stuff. I think if you went back to that little uh, Big East play slide we had uh, at the beginning of Big East play, you could probably put together about a 30-minute compilation of us saying things uh, that were maybe hypocritical or maybe overreacting to things, even though at the beginning of this podcast when we first started, I would always say, you know, I don't overreact to stuff, but we all did. And, you know, that's being a basketball fan. That's basketball. That's being a UConn fan. And it's really cool that – you know, if we wanted to, we could go back and just hear all the ups and downs and we could sit here now and talk about, you know, that we're national champions. But another thing is um, about what Andrew was talking about, all the new guys and all the st- only the strong survive. Um, I think it definitely took this team a little while to get complete continuity, even though the beginning of the season was really good and we struggled in the middle of the season. But just the com- continuity and the togetherness and everyone just making the right pass, making the right play, trusting their teammates. You know, that's what it looks like on a national championship team. And they really didn't have that sometimes during Big East play, but, you know, it just all came together at the right time. And it was a really talented group. And it was just up to Dan Hurley to make sure that these guys played well together and that these guys, you know, trusted each other and that they had that chemistry. And that was really some of the best college basketball I've seen a team play ever. Everything just looked so smooth. It looked like uh, practice against the air. You know, they're just running the plays, like how they're drawn up, you know, and uh, it was, that was beautiful. That was just some beautiful basketball. I'm all over the place right now, guys. I don't know about you. I'm getting excited again, thinking about this game. Yeah, definitely. It's hard and crazy to think that there's not going to be another UConn game for what seven months I mean obviously we have a lot to look forward to in the offseason but it is the offseason after all I mean it's going to be a while but this team's going to reload there's been a couple of roster changes already announced one the only one that has to leave Joey Calcaterra he's gone and Jordan Hawkins announced today he'll be declaring for the draft as he should I feel like we all agree he's should be a lottery pick if not a early to mid first i mean he definitely should go and take advantage of this even with the nil i feel like an nba lottery level draft pick and should he should just go i mean he's done his due diligence here he won a national championship for crying out loud i feel like jordan hawkins we we it'd be a disservice if he's played another year at uconn what if he gets injured and i don't know tears his acl and his draft stock plummets second round undrafted not saying that would happen, but it's a possibility. You're at you're at this level. You got to go. Yeah, a player like him, he he's a little bit raw uh, for NBA standards, I'd say. But I mean, all it takes is one good, you know, professional level coach to turn this guy into a perennial all star. He has all the tools. The dude can shoot the lights out. He cuts to the rim very aggressively. He's a good defender. He does everything you would want uh, out of a one or two guard. Uh, and I feel like you know, probably mid first rounds of fair. Uh, for him 
like we agreed today, Connor, I'm pretty sure you said a 12 to 18 range is a perfect kind of spot for him, you know, end up on a team where you probably won't play any more than 10 or 15 minutes a game, but, you know, learn a few things, then maybe the next year come out and, you know, maybe start some games. Yeah, and I'm a strong believer in that if the money is right there, um, do yourself a favor, do your team a favor and take it. Uh, like Connor was saying, anything could happen. And um, it would be a shame for him to just not go out when the opportunity is right in front of him. It's good for him. It's good for the program to produce first-round picks, you know, maybe even lottery picks. And uh, obviously recruits just want to see a guy from the school that they might choose playing in the NBA. And um, Hawkins, I really do think, will have a great NBA career just because of how catered his game is to today's NBA. Um, just his creativity for getting open, uh, the way he could just run around. Like, you know, his skill set reminds me of a Chris Middleton type skill set. Skill set. He could just run around off ball screens. And um, as soon as he touches it, he's a threat to turn around and elevate. I really think that could be a ceiling. He's obviously got some physical growing to do, but I think even from last year to this year, he grew a lot physically. Um, he definitely looked a lot stronger, especially at the end of the season. So sky's the limit for him. And, uh, I'm glad he's going to take his money. And not only is it like the money thing, the developmental thing, but it's also it would be hard for him to stay because then we wouldn't get to see the early development of a guy like Solo Ball, who's going to be in his position. Like a lot of people are saying, oh, RJ, RJ should have stayed for a fifth year instead of going pro because he didn't get drafted and he went to Greece. Then you don't get to see a guy like Tristan Newton develop into the player he turned into. Like, same thing with Tyrese Martin. I mean, he he could have stayed, sure, but then you don't get to see a guy like Jackson really develop the way he wants or even Hawkins, you know. So it's not only the the money thing and is he ready, but it's also for the development of the program um, and producing people at the same position. But I'm I'm excited for what this team's going to bring next year, but I, I am excited to see what Hawkins does in the NBA because I feel like uh, – a certain someone, our last lottery pick, has left a little bit of a bad taste in um, the fans' mouths as regard to NBA kind of talent because he was a big-time recruit and hasn't quite panned out. Um, we've got Martin and Whaley in the G League, and obviously our guys Polly and Cole playing over in Greece. But I feel like Hawkins is really suited well to this game just because of the catch-and-shoot method i mean i think he's got the the nicest form and some coach will create a good play for him to go around to pick that a guy who's probably bigger than sonogo or Klingon will set for him and he'll hit the open shots you know so i think that he'll do fine in the nba but i i can't wait to see who he gets drafted by because he it, it's a wild card i mean he could go anywhere but it, it's really good to see guys from uconn going to the draft like this because Main goal of this is to have guys go every year. So it's it's definitely the right decision for, for Hawk to go to the NBA draft. No, I, I really don't care where he goes, but not Charlotte, please. I mean, that hasn't really worked. I mean, we see with Book Knight right now, and the team as a whole, they kind of mismanaged their young guys a little bit. I mean, if he goes there, he goes there. I'm still going to support him. Obviously, I'll still buy a Hawkins jersey for Charlotte. But, I mean, I – I feel like they kind of did book night dirty. He also didn't help himself with some off court stuff and play. But I mean, I mean, if we can avoid that, I mean, that'd be ideal. And I kind of want to talk a little bit about some of the other guys you may declare maybe on the fence. Andre, I know Andre has said, Andre has said that he wants to run it back for number title number six. I mean, 
But I feel like if there's an opportunity for him to be a first round pick, I feel like he has to take it. I mean, maybe, maybe that's just me saying that, but I mean, if I was in his shoes and I have scouts telling me, Oh, we're going to take you first round 25th overall. You got to take that. I feel like a similar thing with Sonogo. I may be winning the most outstanding player rises his draft stock as well. I mean, I feel like it'd be hard to be told you're a first round pick in this year's draft a couple months away and decide I'm going back to school. But I feel like those are also two very loyal players to the program. So it's, it's really a tough either or situation. I'm curious to see what will go down. With Andre, it's a bit of a tough one, uh, mainly because a lot of you know the hype around him is based off his athleticism and it's just raw talent. Uh, he's a great player. And I feel like if he were to stay an extra year, then I feel like his draft stock just decreases because this raw athleticism, you know, it's suddenly becoming 22, 23 years old and it's not as interesting as it was when it was 21. You know what I mean? So I, I feel like NBA scouts are looking at him very closely. I feel like this is it for him. I feel like uh, he'd be losing out if he didn't left now just because of his potential and the opportunity he's going to get if he were to go now opposed to next year. I feel like he won't get nearly the same amount of opportunity as he would get if he just left this year. Went, bet on himself, and no earned his money. Yeah, and I'll say the same thing for Andre as I'll say for Jordan Hawkins. Um, If the money's there, go take it. But that being said, I really do feel like he's a guy who could benefit from one more year of college, especially after he really, really found his role on this team this March. And that was without even having his outside shot really developed. Um, I think if he wanted to stay and this would be a great offseason for him to really develop that three point ball. Um, I think he could be a guy who's averaging 10 points a game next year on top of like six assists, eight rebounds, and obviously is our most impactful defensive player. So either way, I would like it. Um, but if he's a projected first-round pick and he's going to get paid, Andre, do yourself a favor. Take the money. This is a tough situation with these two. You know, Hawkins, obviously, it was an easy decision to go. But with these two, it's definitely what Sark said is true about how both Adama, Snogo, and Jackson could de- uh, benefit from another year of college because – I'm not quite sure if either of them are ready to play in the NBA just yet, but at the same time, you know, with with today's day and age, if a coach really likes a guy like Jackson's athleticism, he can probably coach his shot into something that's just fine. Um, so it's it's definitely going to be a weird situation because they are extremely low. You know, Hawkins is on a mission, but Jackson did say that he was going to come here and stay all four years. Um, so it's, it's really, I'm on the fence. Like I couldn't, I couldn't tell you whether I think they're going or staying, but I do want to point out that at the parade tomorrow, um, the three speakers are going to be Sonogo, Jackson, and Hurley. You know, if you're watching this tomorrow and you're at the parade, this could be completely wrong. And I could look like a complete idiot, which is probably going to happen. But I mean, there's a chance they could be running it back and announcing it at the parade tomorrow. I don't know. Um, I did see on Twitter to expect some roster moves in the next couple of days. So I don't know. We'll see. Most likely going to end up looking like a moron, but that's okay. But uh, it's definitely would be a tough decision for him to make because there's a, there's a lot of perfectly fine options for him to take here. Um, But I feel like, I feel like it's going to come down to Hurley talking to these NBA guys, like seeing what, they think that he can improve on if if they really are committed to him or not. Um, because Hurley's only gonna tell him to go if if he gets 
the okay that a team is going to draft them, like not on the fence or anything. So it'll be it'll be an interesting couple of months, though, for sure. One name I want to talk about really briefly before we move on from this draft and who's going to declare talk is Donovan Klingon. I'm in the boat where I feel like it's in his best interest to at least test the waters this year. Not saying he should go. I don't think he will go. But if there's a team that says, hey, you work on a three ball, you were 7-2 shot blocker that rebounds, that can knock down a three once in a while, you're a lottery pick next year, especially at a young age. I feel like it would definitely, definitely be beneficial for him to at least test the waters. And who knows? There could be some team that says, oh, we want you in the first round this year. I doubt that's the case, but I mean, it's a very, he's raw. I mean, NBA scouts, if there's one thing they love, it's raw. I mean, you look at some of the guys that average three points per game at Kentucky go first round because of their potential as an athleticism. I feel like Klingon, he's not quite at that level. He's a little different category, but I feel like he, I, I feel like I wouldn't be shocked if he at least tests the waters to the NBA draft. If he goes after one year coming off the bench, playing 15 minutes per game, I mean, kudos to him. He clearly knows something, but I, I feel like it'd be beneficial to get that feedback. We've seen guys like Tyler Polly a couple of years ago declared and came back after getting some feedback. Now he's playing professionally. I mean, it's definitely a great ex- learning experience for the players. And now I want to talk a little about this national championship game. I feel like we kind of skipped over it. A little little recap. UConn, they were down early. The San Diego State hit their first couple of threes. It was a little, not a little nerve-wracking. I still felt confident, but they were making their shots. Their crowd was getting into it. Then we went on our run, and we pretty much blew it open until they cut it close in the second half. They cut it to five. But out of a timeout, Hurley ran a beautiful set for Hawkins. There was like five or six screens on the play to get him a wide open shot at the top of the key for three to push it to eight. And that was pretty much it after that. When I mentioned Sonogo, he was the most outstanding player. He had 17 points and 10 rebounds. Tristan Newton, one of his better games of the season, 19 points, 10 rebounds, four assists, Hawkins, 16 points. Even guys like Joey in his final game at the Husky hit two threes. Naheem Aline, six key points. Klingon disrupted down low. Jackson, six assists. He averaged 6.8 assists, I believe, in the NCAA tournament, which that should be eye-opening to scouts, I feel like. And Caravan, he he was in a little bit of foul trouble late. He had five points, five rebounds. Overall, another very balanced team win. I feel like we've said that every time because it's been the case every time. I mean, all everyone contributes. All is this game, it was eight. No Hassan DR really in the rotation, but all eight or nine guys contribute every game. This definitely isn't going to go without saying, but uh, Andrew Hurley also grabbed the board in the national championship game. I feel like that has to be mentioned. But uh, this game was really giving me, like, vibes from the Providence game. Just being at that game and seeing them blow it wide open. uh, After a little bit of struggles in the first, they weren't necessarily down in that Providence game, but then being down in this one and then blowing it open – and then seeing it go right back down to five, it's just I said to myself, I'm like, damn it, it's happening again. I mean, it's the same, the same thing whenever we go down since that Providence game. It's getting lazy and giving up wide open shots. Like turning over the ball before you get it over half court is just something that should never ever happen. It just shouldn't happen. And it's always gonna lead to big swings and possession and stuff like that. So it's it was really starting to scare me once they started hitting shots and putting it down to five. But I I didn't think that we were going to lose just because I thought that Hurley was going to, you know, light a fire under their ass. But it was definitely nerve-wracking. But all in all, it was a great game. I mean, San Diego did their best on defense. I mean, they just 
They couldn't hit their shots, but that was also partially us playing really good defense. So it was just a really good game in general. And all the people that can saying it's the worst national championship game in the last 20 years. If you ever watched college basketball, I mean, good Lord. Yeah, and in this one, they kind of proved that, you know, they're they're the top team in the country. I remember not just this year, years past, um, we would always get into tight games. And then always lose them. It's just how it went. I remember that game against Villanova last year was the big one. Everyone kind of thought, like, all right, like, this is changing. Like, things are kind of different now. But, I mean, we even saw it happen again this year against Xavier Providence. Uh, and against even in, uh, Providence in the Big East. But that first that, – that that was the game. I felt like, all right, like, these guys have something. Um, and I remember in the, in the national championship game, we were all watching. We were just texting back and forth. And they cut it to five. And I texted, uh, uh, this is where we see what they're made of. This is where we see if we really deserve to be national champions. And they came out firing after that. We got the lead back up to 10, 12, 14. And we ended up winning by 13. And, I mean, people will say that UConn had, like, this cupcake schedule. It's, they, they, they forget that UConn's defense was the best throughout the whole tournament. Um, teams aren't this inefficient. Teams don't have this bad of shooting nights against, you know, just regular teams. UConn's defense was the best team. Uh, it was the best defense throughout the whole the whole tournament. And that, that's not a debate. You've seen pl- uh, plenty of arguments on Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, all talking about, oh, UConn, you know, they, they didn't really face any real teams. That's such a lie. I mean, look at who San Diego State got to play in order to make it to the, the finals. If they won, nobody would have said anything. But, you know, just because it's UConn, they like to give the hate. Yeah, and uh, one guy who I really just got to tip my cap to here is uh, Tristan Newton. Just, I think, completely the unsung hero of this championship run based on the fact that, um, you know, he struggled this year a little bit at times, you know, in Big East play. I keep talking about the struggles in Big East play, but, you know, that was a big thing. And um, he definitely struggled at times. Um, he struggled scoring the ball. He scored, struggled with efficiency. He struggled with turnovers. And he came out and, as the lead guard for us, was averaging over five assists he was scoring the ball very effectively. Um, he had his biggest game in the biggest moment. And he was just such like a calming presence for us. You know, you could always just run him off a ball screen and it seemed like he'd make the right read, even though he did have a couple turnovers in the second half there that got a little frustrating. But, you know, coming out of East Carolina, I was really expecting a good player, but I wasn't expecting a lead guard on national championship team. So I really got to tip my hat to him. Um, and another thing, about him is just having um you know your smallest guy in the court be six four and he's bringing the ball up and he's your playmaker um that's such a big big thing um big guards are just the new wave in basketball just having as much length in your lineup as possible having guys who could just cover as much space as possible is huge on defense it's huge for rebounding and um we're lucky that we got a couple big guards in uh Stefan Castle and Jaden Ross coming in next year they're really talented and uh, I'm glad that Hurley's starting to really um, put his fingerprint on having a big guard. I think that's a huge thing in basketball these days. Yeah, and you mentioned Castle, and Newton has a chance to come back. He could take that COVID year. We're not going to get into that this episode. We don't want to go too long, but Newton and Aline each have the ability to come back for next year. I feel like we'd love to have each of them back. I mean, they were – key contributors to the national championship team. I feel like 
it's a different situation to Cole and Martin because I don't want to say they're worse than Cole and Martin, but I feel like RJ Cole had scored over 2000 points in college. He had been in college for five years. He was ready to move on. And Tyrese Martin obviously got drafted. I don't see a lean. I mean, Newton may be a very, very outside chance. I don't think he'll get drafted. A lean won't get drafted. So maybe that's the motivation for him to come back. We also do have a scholarship problem. We're already one over with Hawkins declaring. And if either of those two come back on top of any potential transfers from the portal we bring in, it's just going to be, it's going to be unfortunate for some of our lower end players who are going to kind of get forced out. I'm, I don't want to name any names. I don't want to be wrong, but I feel like we all have an idea who I'm talking about. Some of those guys. And I want to briefly touch upon some of the, like Andrew, you said, no, ever this is the worst championship. You saw people say that on Twitter and stuff. I, whoever says that, I want them to sit down and watch that 2011 game where there were 94 total points and say that this game was worse. I mean, that was definitely the worst. I feel like even though UConn got the win, I mean, it was ugly. There was it was low scoring, a lot of missed shots. And San Diego State, they're in the Mountain West. I feel like people who don't follow college basketball that closely just see that and say, oh, they beat a Mountain West team in the national championship. But they were 33 32 and six going into the game. They had just beat up on Alabama. They beat all these teams to get there. FAU is a very solid team. They only lost what four games all year. And then they lost at the, at the buzzer when Lamont Butler hit that shot. I mean, SDSU is a very talented team. They've always been in that COVID year, 2019, 20 season, they were 30 and two before it got shut down. They were going to be a one seed. They've always been a very strong program, even if they're in a mid-major conference. So I'm, I'm definitely not viewing that as an easy game. I mean, they're nine deep like us. They have seven seniors, two juniors. I mean, they're a great defensive team. It was, I, 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 I knew we'd win. I don't want to say I knew we'd win. It was not guaranteed, but I, I didn't. I couldn't really see us losing to San Diego State in the national championship. So I'm not surprised there. But I'm, people are writing them off. I did not do that. Yeah, it's almost like people forget that um, the best team wins, uh, no matter what it says. You know what their name says they're the best team they're the better team and it's almost like people forget that and uh people take that for granted um you know that obviously was a great san diego state team every team we played was a great team it's the best 64 teams in the country and it gets weeded down day by day so people are uh people are just so nitpicky and people just want to find reasons to hate but um you know five championships uh you can't argue with that you really can't a championship is a championship no year is easier than other years. No year is harder than another year. Um, no March is really less talented than another March. So, uh, you know, maybe get a little grateful out there, guys. And all the people I saw were complaining about one particular game that didn't get to happen, which was UConn in Kansas. Well, guess what, haters? You get to see that next year, and it's at Kansas. And if we win that, what are you going to say now? Because this is. I love the fact that they're scheduling huge games like this already. Like, I mean, people said our non-cons sucked. Our Big East Big 12 battle games sucked. Everything about our season, supposedly to one fan base in particular, um, sucked. But I, I'd be really curious to see what happens with our non-con this year because it was definitely a little on the weak side. But the PKI, I mean, I feel like people completely forget about the fact that we beat Alabama and Iowa State, yeah, Iowa State, who were both pretty good this year. So, I mean, it's it's definitely weird 
that people just find a way to hate on us for everything. But I personally can't wait for that game. It's probably going to end up being the biggest one of our season. I mean, at Kansas, make the same joke I did about Nebraska. What do they have to do in Kansas besides cheer for the Jayhawks out there? So that place is going to be loud, probably the toughest environment we play in all season long. But I love the fact that they're scheduling huge games like that already. 22 champs versus 23 champs, and I can't wait for it. And the official UConn men's basketball social media is they're already advertising the game. That's not set to happen until December 1st. And they're calling it a battle of the blue bloods. And I agree. I feel like UConn has secured that spot. Again, we're not going to get into this debate. That could be a whole 35, 40 minute episode. I'm sure we'd all agree they are a blue blood, but there's arguments that they're not. We're not going to into that right now. I want I was going to talk about the Big East Big 12 challenge. So you kind of lead me into that. It's a great matchup. Like you mentioned, us versus Kansas is the headliner. But you have, let's see, Houston, who's now in the Big 12, which is going to be weird to get used to for a little bit. They're visiting Xavier. That's two great teams. You, let's see, you got Villanova, Kansas State. Kansas State, fresh off an Elite Eight run. Villanova is going to be better than last year. I feel like that's a guarantee. And another huge one, Texas versus Marquette. Shaka Smart's old school Texas. And St. John's, West Virginia, an old Big East battle. Just great matchups. Last year we had Oklahoma State which was one of the, what, two or three Big 12 teams that didn't make the NCAA tournament. So kind of a kind of kind of had the bad draw there, but we definitely make up for it this year with Kansas. And one last thing, and then we'll wrap up, talking about the non-conference this is all hypothetical, but I feel like I'm not sure what the contract is for the Gavit games, the Big East Big 10 challenge, but I know we weren't in the original like contract that resets every handful of years. And we weren't we, we like just missed being in it when we rejoined the Big East. I think we may be in it this year. I, I find it I find it hard to believe we would find a matchup that's not Purdue coming to Gamble Pavilion. I mean, the two best teams in the conference, Zach Eady coming to face Donovan Klingon. I feel like that's the obvious solution there. I feel like we were we didn't have a Big East Big Ten game last year, and Purdue was at home, so they're due to go on the road. I feel like they would send send them up to stores. I mean, that'd be a great matchup. And there's a lot of talk last year between UConn and Purdue fans who should be number one in like December. I feel like we could, we're gonna finally see that matchup. Maybe that's a prediction. I could be wrong, but I feel like we could see that one next year. I mean, even we're in the uh, the uh, the two K Empire Classic at. MSG next year, I know, features four teams, right? With UConn, Texas, Indiana, and another one that I'm not remembering at this time. Louisville, so hopefully we don't get Louisville. So definitely one little bit worse team. Um, And then us, Texas, and Indiana. So even like that, like just having having those tournaments, um, like being in those is definitely going to be really good for us because at this point, like we're a good team. You know, we just won the national championship. We need to be challenged a little more. And then all the people saying that we should leave the Big East, that's just a bunch of complete baloney because the Big East, in my opinion, is the best conference in college basketball. Again, we don't need to get into that. That could be a, a five-hour long episode if if we really made it that. But just having these non-conference games, like having to play Indiana and Texas and Kansas before we start the Big East play, I think that's going to end up being really good for us. Even if we if we don't win all those games, I still feel like it'll be really really good for us because we're we're starting to be on the upside now. So we've got to play some better teams, but I think that this season, this next one's going to be a pretty fun one. All right, now I think that'll just about do it here for episode thirty-five. I mean. 
national champions. I mean, it's still crazy to think about. I mean, I don't think any of us saw it coming. It's I, I'm at a loss for words still. What, five days later? I mean, complete domination. One of the best UConn teams ever. I feel like top three in program history. I mean, it's lost for words. I mean, Sonogo, Hawkins, Jackson, New, and all these guys really, really awed me, and it's inspirational, and I'm just very happy for them and proud, and that's that's all I got for now. Yeah, and one thing I just want to get off my chest before we officially wrap up the season here with HBTH is I'm just going to let you guys in to my mind a little bit and um, my toxicity as a sports fan. Um, at first, when the buzzer went off, you know, I took about five minutes to be really excited you know, running around, jumping around, can't get a smile off my face. But then somehow my brain goes to, man, I really wanted that Big East championship. And I start sitting there thinking, man, am I even completely satisfied right now? We're not even Big East champions. Could I even be happy about the national championship? Now, obviously I can. This is much more significant than the Big East championship. But man, fans like me are the problem. I'll be honest, guys. I had a very similar thought today. I was talking to my dad about it, and I go, yeah, like, you know, it's great, but for some reason, I just really need to beat Providence, and then we need to beat Xavier, and then we need to beat Marquette. So it's like, I can't, I don't, <laughs> I feel like we're hearing from those guys all year. You know, we hear it all from them. Part of me just needs to beat them to feel satisfied, but, you know, I'm more than satisfied. Honestly, the Big East rivalries run a little deeper than March for me, the way I feel sometimes. Sometimes, uh, Give me a beaten Xavier and beaten Villanova in the same season over the national championship. Uh, I'm not being serious about that, but I kind of am as a thing. I just would have loved to beat Shaka Smart in that game. I mean, he was – he looked like he was playing. I mean, he was doing his defensive stance there all the way out past the three-point line. I think he's being a little obnoxious with the we own the place now because he went out relatively early to his team. So, But this tournament really, like – Brings me back like did we really lost to St. John's by 11 at home, a team that didn't even get close to the NIT. And we beat Gonzaga by 28 points on the way to a national championship. It's just like thinking about it now. It's just like it shows that the Big East is really the toughest conference in the entire college basketball world because that game wasn't easy. I mean, the Seton Hall one, too. They hardly made the NIT, I think, or didn't make it one of the two. But it just it really proves that our conference is the toughest. But I mean, I'm with you guys. I would have loved to have those those three trophies like Hurley talked about in the beginning of the season after we won the PKI. But I mean, obviously extremely happy about our fifth national title. Yeah, starting with like the sweet sixteen against Arkansas, I probably at least ten times said out loud, this team lost to St. John's at home and got bullied doing it. I mean, it's crazy that happened in the same season, let alone two months apart. But this this group, it surprises all of us. I mean, it's amazing. And like Sark mentioned, the season's over, but we're not done at How About the Muskies. We're going to produce offense, off-season content, hopefully a weekly episode. We'll get some interviews. Hopefully, fingers crossed, some players on this year's National Championship squad. We're trying to work on some stuff. Also, some former players will definitely uh, – how about the Muskies guarantee? We'll get Ryan Boat right on. We've been working on that one for a few months now. I haven't really found a good time for all of us. He's overseas, but we'll get that done this summer for sure, if not sooner. We're going to have a lot of guests. Tyler Polly will come back. Isaiah Whaley, we're going to try to have them together. 
We're going to get RJ Cole back. Maybe he'll bring Tyrese Martin. It's just, we've got, got a lot of stuff planned. We got, like I said, seven months until the next game. We got a lot of, a lot of ground to cover. We're, we're going to do our best to bring as much and as great content as we can. We had a blast all season. We're thank you all for listening all 35 episodes. I mean, we got this far Sark another, I'm going to shout you out again with that quote. UConn has won every national championship since we started. How about the Huskies? So we're obviously running it back for season two to get title number six. Thanks for watching.